There is no greater stage. There is no greater production. There is no greater series. There is no greater title than World Series champion. And the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies kick off that pursuit tonight by taking on the American League champion Houston Astros in Houston, Texas for the title of World Series champion. That's right. Ladies, gentlemen, fanatics of all ages, the time has come. For the first time in 13 years, the Phillies will play in a World Series game. The first of what could be, at the, well, at least four, probably more likely five or six or seven for the first time. You can dream on that. Or maybe the Phillies will sweep in four. You know, you can work with that too. But yes, the Phillies are in the World Series. It starts tonight, Friday, 8 o'clock Eastern. The rosters are released. The pitching matchups are set. The roof is open or closed or somewhere in between down in Houston. Who knows? Who cares? The teams are going to take the field and they're going to play baseball in pursuit of a championship. And you know who's there in Houston right now? That would be the Athletics' Matt Gelb. Matt, hello down there. How are things? Pretty good. The roof will be closed for both okay. games, which is a shame because it's I mean, it's a cool ballpark either way. It is so much better when the roof is open, I think, just aesthetically and vibes wise. But they like it closed because it it, it becomes a louder atmosphere. It's also raining mm. uh, here in Houston today. It's rained. Uh, started raining last night. And it's been raining uh, most of the day. I think it's supposed to rain just about all day. So roof will be closed. Uh, it's uh. <laughs> I think there's there's a really interesting dynamic to this, Paul, is that, you know, the Astros, there was a lot of talk yesterday at, at World Series Media Day about how, uh, you know, the Astros sort of need this title uh, to validate, you know, a lot of what they've done here. And, and, and there's obviously, you know, different things that hang over the, that franchise that have hung over that franchise because of the cheating scandal. And yeah, uh, they've been here a lot and they haven't uh, they haven't won at all a lot. And on the Phillies side, I think, <laughs> I mean, there's just this, again, this almost like ignorance to this blissful ignorance to what they've accomplished and where they are and what they've done. And uh, they don't don't excuse, you know, don't mistake that for not wanting to win at all. They certainly right. want to win at all. But I think there's just there's more pressure, I think, on the Astros, don't you? Well, y- yes, I think the interesting thing will be to see if it if it ever bubbles up and affects them in some way, if you see them playing tight for some, some rhyme yeah, or that's reason, the thing, right. It's, it might not matter that there's more pressure on them. They're just simply really good. So it might yeah. not even matter, but, the, but you're yes. I mean, if you're just looking at it, does pressure exist more on one side than the other? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? I mean, just for the exact reasons you were talking about, look, you don't know how often you're going to get to the world series. The Astros have played in, in six straight pennants is their third world series in that time. They won the one. They're, you know, <laughs> they're a really good team again this year. They found a way to construct a an organization that produces really good players. They identify really good players in trade. They're, they're doing all the things right. Um, and that leads to continued success, which they're doing right now. And 
that doesn't change in a seven game series, you know, distilling all of that success over 162. We've been through this before. You know, we were talking about earlier how the Phillies are are designed to play in, in the sprint series more than the, the longer series. They ended up with a nice matchup in the LCS, making things a little bit quicker against San Diego. But if you look at what's coming here in the World Series, you have just a, a top to bottom roster in Houston that was built for this reason that came into this season with the expectation that they were going to be title contenders that came into this season, fully expecting to, to cruise to a division title, which they did. Um, and all they've done is go undefeated in the playoffs and are, you know, <laughs> right now looking like a really, really hard team to beat. Um, they're not blowing the doors out with offense like they were in some of their previous versions, but they are throwing the ball better than any of those other teams could. And I think that that, it's what makes things a little scary for pressure though. Yeah. The, the Phillies have to continue to play loose. I think that's what's gotten them this far and what could continue to, to hopefully push this thing closer to the brink. Do you think they need to win one game here in Houston to win, be able to win the series? Always. Like, do you think that's a man? Okay. You think, Oh that's yeah. A, I, well, they look, have to come away. They have to come away one, one out of Houston. Absolutely. Look, as important as it was in, all three of the other series, really, it was it was literally important for the St. Louis series. But as important as it was for the other two, yes, I think it is essential here. We, I, we've talked about how there's a margin for error with this team and how they can't keep giving away any advantage they might have or, you know, throw away extra outs, things like that. They kept getting away, getting away with that whenever they would do it in the last few games. Um, or here and there, really, because it wasn't all the time. Now you really can't do that. You can't. You cannot expect to keep getting away with things. So you have to be flawless in execution. You have to be uh, able to hit some of the best pitchers in the sport, not just starters, but also relievers, because every part of this pitching staff is stacked for Houston. You have to be able to field the ball cleanly, because if you give this offense extra outs, they will they will hurt you for that. And they play good defense, too. So look, it, it, if you go down 2-0 in these first two games, that is such an enormous hole to climb out of, assuming that you are likely going to see or have to overcome Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez again, the presumptive starters here, game one and game two. And you don't want to put yourself in that position. So yes, I, I would say it's absolutely essential. And so we haven't like we typically before we got on your ball, we were just we, you and I were talking. We're like, you know, any sort of analysis right now uh, is almost superseded by the forces that are at play. I mean, we, we know the analysis is pretty straightforward. I mean, the Astros are a better team. And it's like if you're trying yeah. to figure out, you know, how the Phillies can win, there are certain things you can dig into here. But um, it just probably comes down to, you know, timely hitting and good pitching. And, yep. you know, the Phillies have gotten it. They were underdogs in the three series per prior and they won each time. So I, I don't know how much I want to go into it, but let's just like look at the first two games, the two matchups, like which one gives you, which one do you think the Phillies have a better chance of stealing Nola versus Verlander or Wheeler uh, against Valdez? Uh, I would lean game two Wheeler Valdez. I, I, you know, Verlander's World Series numbers aren't great historically, and I don't no. know how much that means. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any. I don't even know if it's applicable to this, is it? I, I don't really think so. I think the thing that gets me about Verlander 
you know, especially with this this late career renaissance in Houston, is that he's been so great with his command and his control at all times. You know, when we started to think that Verlander was losing it a little bit, you know, toward his his early 30s with Detroit and, you know, okay, he's he's this workhorse who's thrown all of these innings all the time. He's finally starting to wear down. The walks were starting to creep up a little bit, and then the homers would start to follow a little bit. The homers are are down like hugely this year in Houston. They had followed him for a little while, but the walks being down, I think, is what really got me. Now, the Phillies didn't really make a habit of drawing a ton of walks in the last couple of series. We actually took a moment to to talk about that, how it was unusual, how at one point Kyle Schwarber was the only person who had walked in the entire series. But I think Verlander's ability to spot his pitches, you know, get the shadow uh, calls, be around the zone. That curveball he has is still really sharp and dives out of the zone, gets chases. That worries me a little bit more than Framber Valdez, who himself is having a, another really great season set, uh, a record for consecutive quality starts, all of this. He is not overwhelming. He can keep the ball in the park, but the Phillies can probably make more contact against Valdez than Verlander, and I think that'll help them. Because this team is at its best when they're not swinging and missing a lot, when they're actually managing to put some balls in play. They look more encouraging if they you know, are able to barrel something up in an inning or two, even if they make outs. And I think that's just going to be so hard against Verlander. I would not at all be surprised if Verlander comes out, puts those World Series numbers to the side, and just shoves in this first game. I still feel like he thinks he has something to prove to. He doesn't. He's a Hall of Famer no matter what. He retires before this game starts and he's in. Um but something worries me a little bit. Not really so worried about Nola feeling good about the way he's going. Verlander just looms kind of monolithically large to me for for this moment and this stage. So I, I would love to steal this one. That would make me feel that much better. I got my eyes on game two as being the one that's primed for stealing. Paul, I kind of like the Phillies in game one. Oh, baby. And Tell I don't know why. what's going. I don't Tell know what's going to I don't know what will happen. You know, it's possible they lose it in five. They win the first one and then lose the next four. I don't know. Uh, I think they have talked for weeks about this sort of unselfish approach, this idea in the postseason that uh, they they've really re reimagined how they approach things at the plate. And I think against Verlander, you will see them you know, almost adopt a two strike approach. Uh, most of their hitters when the count, when, when the at bat begins Mm. and that is to avoid, you know, the, the swing and miss and to to get into bad counts against Verlander, who is, who's really tough when you're behind in the count. And so I don't know, like, I think, I think it's an okay matchup for their offense. I think they present challenges, uh, against Verlander. and, And I know the last time that he faced them, it was, uh, was it the hangover game? Was it the one right after the clincher, I think? And he was, you know, he just I, I blew right was, through. Yes. Blew right through them. And, and the Phillies did not have a representative lineup out there, nor did they have, uh, you know, motivated players. <laughs> they were all a little. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Hungover. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, at least some of the guys got to see what that fastball looks like um, because it, it is something you need to see. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, I. I think this is the one they can steal. I think this is a better, I think this is a better than it looks matchup for their offense against him. Uh, I don't know. I just think that they've had this unselfish approach. 
And I think they look at this challenge as, as another way, as another moment to apply that approach uh, against a future Hall of Fame pitcher. And Noel is motivated. Obviously, like his last start did not go the way it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. He's got the extra rest here, which I think is enormous for him. Yeah, it was during the season. Uh, this time of year, he's he's thrown a lot of innings, uh, getting to pitch on his ninth day. He'll end up with eight days rest. Uh, nice. I, I think is going to be really, really big for him. Uh, let's not forget. I mean, the way he pitched, you know, in that clincher game here in Houston, uh, and I, I know the circumstances were wildly different than what he will encounter tonight uh, in Game One of the World Series. But I think this is. I think Game One is their sh- is their best shot to steal it. And you know, we've seen them do it in the three series prior. They've come into an opponent's ballpark and stolen Game One. And they've done it different ways each time, <laughs> you know. I mean, it yeah. was uh, a wild, uh, you know, a wild comeback in Game One in St. Louis. It was a wild hang on by your fingernail uh, Game One in Atlanta. It was a dominant pitching performance with a big home run in Game One in San Diego. They have different blueprints to do this, and they've done it. And I think that gives them a ton of confidence going into this game is that they have they have come into an opponent's ballpark and taken Game One three times prior to this i think that does help them tonight and you know it's interesting like the the astros haven't lost in this playoff uh run but the phillies also for their part haven't trailed in any of their series so somebody one of these teams for the first time after tonight is going to be down in a series yeah and, and and i think to play on that pressure point that you were talking about it would at least be more interesting to see how the astros would respond to potentially being down 1-0 after dropping their first game of the playoffs here in the World Series. With the Phillies, you know, like, oh, okay. And this is, I'll touch on more of this in a second. If the Phillies drop it, it's like, okay, well, I guess that's kind of expected. Future Hall of Famer came out and did his thing, probably, where the offense showed up and, and put up a you know a few more runs and the Phillies can muster. Okay, that's how baseball works. But this is part of why this series, to me, is a win-win no matter what. Not literally, I want them to win the title, but (laughs) what they're up against right now, just like you were talking about, is another underdog situation. They are not favored. They are probably a longer underdog in this series than any of the three before it. What now gets to happen is that every positive thing you can build on in this series, any win that they do scrape out, any heroic moment, any big thing that happens within a game, maybe a pitcher shows up big, gets out of a jam, somebody comes up with a big hit unexpectedly lower in the lineup, whatever it may be. It becomes that much more of a of a cult hero moment because the Phillies are the real David in this situation, if you want to use that metaphor, the David versus Goliath thing. Everything they do is going to be magnified by that much more because they're up against these longer odds, because they are up against this better team, because the expectations for them are nationally pretty low. I think there are probably a few people who think they can hang with it. And anybody who's watched this team the whole way, people in this area will know that there is just that you can't quite explain anything about the way they're playing right now that sort of throws advantages and matchups and, you know, actual talent (laughs) comparisons sort of out the window. It doesn't really seem to matter with the way this team has been playing. But now they have a chance at every little thing, every little positive moment that they can etch in it's just going to be that much greater even if the end result is as a lot of folks expect it to go and it's we haven't even thrown a pitch yet 
who knows if it's going to go that way. It's not like it's a win-win making it this far has made this series as close to a literal win-win as you can get, even with the threat of a loss out there to me. Yeah. And like, there's been a lot of talk about, it's like, Oh, you know, can the Astros go undefeated for the whole playoffs? And and I, I don't want to say it's insulting because I understand why that talk mm. is there. I, I don't, I think the Phillies at the bare minimum, Paul make this at some point an interesting series. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah, of course. And, and it, I, it, again, I don't know that the win, I don't know how many games to win at mm-hmm. some point in this series though. And maybe it's by winning the first game. They will make it a series. They will make it ra- rather interesting. I think. Yes. And well, what reason do we have to doubt them? They have made it interesting, whether for good or bad this entire season, it's what they do. It's their brand of baseball that they, they live in interesting. They are the interesting inhabitants. And if they, if they come out and fall completely flat, that'll be more surprising than, you know, just about any other outcome I I could imagine. I have no reason to doubt that at the very least, yes, one, probably way more than that interesting thing, things will happen in this series. They are not going to go quietly. No. (laughs) Now I'm, I'm intrigued. I am intrigued by some of the matchups, you know, how the teams are going to, how each manager is going to, you know, look at the later innings and, you know, yeah. Jordan Alvarez looms there. I mean, it is a really great question. It's like, yeah. how, how do the Phillies get him out in the middle and end Oof. of games? You know, once the starter is no longer on the mound or, and I don't know that there's a good, I mean, the answer, the, the best answer is Jose Alvarado, but he's not going to be there for every Alvarez at <laughs> yeah. bat, you yeah, know, from right. the sixth inning on and every game. So it's a, it's a really tough one. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what they do. I'm interested to see what they do, you know, when they get that first opportunity. If it's not Alvarado, who is it? You know, is it Connor Brogdon with the changeup against lefties, which is a great pitch, but Alvarez crushes changeups from righties. Uh, is it is it Brad Hand? You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I would go there necessarily. I'm not sure that I'm trusting Brad Hand in any big situation in this uh. World Series. I just can't. Uh, my spitballed. Christopher Sanchez idea got shot down. Um, they did not put him on the roster. They did make two roster changes. Mm-hmm. People listening who didn't know, they saw they subbed out uh, Dalton Guthrie for Nick Maton, and they subbed out uh, Bailey Falter for Nick Nelson, who That's spent the whole year on the roster, on the active roster, and and uh, was not included on the playoff roster yet this year until we get to the World Series here. And Nelson hasn't pitched in a while. They've been keeping him sharp with some simulated games. Um, He's got good numbers against lefties. He's got a really good changeup. It's his best pitch. Astros didn't hit changeups too well this year. So, I, you know, if Nelson's in the game, I think something, you know, bad has happened. Like, I don't think they're putting him on and going to use him in a, in a you know, a ta- you know, this is like a big tactical decision. I, I just think he's there just in case they need some length or, you know, something crazy happens. I don't know. But uh, with Falter off the roster, like I fully expect Noah Syndergaard to start game four. And I think it might be more of a traditional style start it may not be like once to the order um they're trying to keep him sharp he threw an elongated uh you know simulated game uh yesterday uh before their workout at Minute Maid Park I don't have the exact number of pitches he threw but I think I saw him get up and down like they simulated you know innings right where he sits you know he throws and he goes sits on the side and waits you know pretending like that his team is batting he did it three times I think uh I, I, w- I would think he's game four and I think they're you know, looking at him maybe to, to give them a little more than nine batters. So 
we'll see. I mean, it's going to totally depend on situation. Are you are you down three zero? Are you up two one? Or you know yeah. whatever. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, who knows. But uh, yeah, I, the Alvarez thing is interesting to me. And, and we, you know, the Astros put Will Smith on the roster. Uh, he's their only left handed reliever. I, I don't think you're going to see Will Smith uh, matching up late in the game against the Phillies lefty hitters. Uh, Will Smith. Quite frankly, I think he's on the roster just to like make Dusty Baker happy, like that he's had, that he has a lefty reliever. Uh, I don't think you'll see Smith unless it's like the middle of a game. The Astros starter has come out and they need, you know, a matchup in the fifth, sixth inning, maybe. Um, other than that, like they have righties that they really, really like against lefties. Hector Naris is going to get, I think, some <laughs> some big moments against the Phillies' left hand hitters. Yeah. I think if we get to the seventh or eighth inning and the top of the Phillies lineup is due up. I think you're going to see Naris on the mound for the Astros. Also, I think you're going to see Bryce bat third in this series. Makes sense. It does. It does. I I, I think it's time. And, you know, it, it's a gentle enough of a of a shuffle to to make sense against the the arms that they're going to throw out there. Spe- speaking of arms, I think one guy whose whose role and usage becomes particularly interesting to me with Falter's omission and the potential scrambling of. Uh, different arms for game four using Syndergaard maybe a little differently would be Zach Eflin. Now he hasn't, he hasn't been used at length lately. And he's also kind of been a little, a little iffy at times. Yeah. Not, not the best, but right now he's your best option for quality length. Right. So what, Uh, what, what's it looking like for, for Zach Eflin's potential deployment? Do they stick with trying to use him just for an inning at a time, sixth, seventh inning, maybe, or, is there more of a thought of he could soak up hopefully a couple of innings in a, in a, uh, a larger margin game and then maybe be ready for game four to back up Noah? I think it depends on how, I think this is 100% tied to how you feel about Dave Robertson right now. Hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. Because I think if, if you're looking at Eflin for a more, you know, uh, a more bulk style or, you know, two inning type fireman role, then Robertson is the one who's, you know, now pushed further back to the, you know, closer to the end of the game as a, as yeah. a ready reliever, you know, where Eflin might have been. So, uh, you know, Robertson did, did not look great in the Padres series in the NLCS. I, I thought um, he looked like a guy who hadn't pitched for a while and had suffered a, a, a pretty serious calf injury. And, you know, yeah. uh, he looked like a guy who was 37 years old and, you know, near the end of, of a, you know, really long season, he, he threw a lot of innings this year and he's not, a, and he's somebody who had not thrown a lot of innings period the last three years. So, uh, I don't know. I really don't know how, I, I think, I think you have to save Eflin for the back. You know, okay. I think, I think Dominguez and Alvarado are obviously your two guys. And I think your third guy right now is probably Eflin. I don't think you can put Robertson ahead of Eflin right now. I just don't. I don't trust Robertson. It 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 does look the the tough thing about Robertson is is how much personally I want him to have. You know, I've talked about this a couple of times now. I, I want him to have his moment. There have been so many different guys on this team who have had their moment, who've had their big game, who've had their big appearance, who have either cleansed some kind of demon or changed some kind of story or narrative surrounding them for the better almost universally and (laughs) robertson breaks my heart a little bit because this is a guy who who has said multiple times how he wanted to come back here he was eager for the choice to to rewrite what happened when you know his free agency deal failed again because of injury and he just has not he's had a couple of chances and just hasn't really worked 
did have a good appearance in the Cardinal series, but yeah, that Padres appearance was was scary. So so can I go back to one thing real quick? And this, yeah. I've been thinking about this, and I don't think I'm revealing any secrets because I don't know if they're actually going to do this. Okay. This is a hunch I have. Um, I, I think you might see Suarez tonight if an Alvarez at bat comes up uh, in a big spot. Okay. Is is it his throw day? Like, it, would that be would that be his 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 throw day and prep for game three start? I think if there's a chance for them to, if they're ahead in game one or two, really game one, if they're ahead tonight and they need Suarez to get a couple outs for them, and if it means that they have to bump him to game four instead of having him start game three, I think they take that shot. So now we're getting into the thought that pitching usage and the way these guys are actually going to be deployed might be different than what we saw in the previous two series, especially in the Padres series where there was no off day after game two or yeah, I, yeah really, I guess after game. No, two. after game. Uh, yeah. After. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we have the more traditional setup with the two, three, two, we have the two off days and we have a, a bullpen that is top heavy. Thompson has made no bones about, you know, using his guys hard when, when they're ready to go because they're the, they're the most trustworthy guys. These games are probably going to be pretty close if the Phillies are going to be in it. Um, what are what are the rules now? What what sense do you get about how these guys well, could get used? Is it just you know, yeah, I, safety's I, I, off? Yeah, I think so. Um, now I don't think you're going to see Nola or Syndergaard go on short rest unless it's like a game seven scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those guys stay on. You know, Nola okay. one game one, Nola game five, Wheeler game two, Wheeler game six. I think those guys stay on that. I think. Uh, okay. I think with Suarez, he has shown a willingness and an ability to do a lot of different things for them, to be adaptable, um, to be. Uh, uh, re- he recovers well, cover- recovers fast. Um, yeah. And I, again, I think this is only a scenario in which they are winning tonight in game one. If they're ahead late in the game and they need someone to get Alvarez out or Tucker out in the middle there, the two lefties. Um, this is because, again, Robertson and Eflin would scare the crap out of me right now if I'm late in a game. <laughs> and if yeah. you have an opportunity to steal game one, you 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 are willing to shoot your shot with Suarez for three or four batters or something, and if that means you have to have Syndergaard go game three, and Suarez in game four just to give him a little extra time, then so be it. Like right. if that ha- if got, if that gets you game one, then so be it. Look, I love it. I the the way pitchers had been used in the previous few postseasons was anathema to to what I liked watching aesthetically. I get that it made sense strategically. Um, but I think one part that I've, that I've missed from, from all of that is this, this real true all hands on deck mentality. This, if you're up and you, you're ready to go, be ready to go kind of thing, because this is it. This is literally the season. These guys are going to need extra time to recover. Regardless, there are guys on both sides of the ball whose recovery times are now a month delayed beyond what they're used to getting from, you know, the previous however many years they've been with this organization in particular. Um, and and this is what you play for. So I love the idea, love the idea that with a team that's shorthanded on lefty relief, good left-handed relief, that Ranger would be in play. 
I, I, and again, I, again it's, 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 it's would a, be a very right. it'd be a very specific scenario. It's mm-hmm. not something that you're just going to do. They'd have to be ahead and they would have to make, you know, it would have to make sense to shoot that shot. But th- but that's also what they need to try and need to have pay off in order to get this series, I think. You need to be that creative. You need to be willing to try to use your best cards in different situations than you normally would in order to pull this off. Like that's the kind of thing I want to hear. Even if it doesn't work, we'll have to look back at the exact circumstances if and when it does actually happen. In the moment, just projecting a little bit here, that feels like the the thought process of a team that really wants to try anything and everything. Do what yeah, it takes to win these games. Exactly. And the only like I said, the only two guys who are locked in are your two your two horses. Like they're locked in. Game mm-hmm. one and two, game game five and six. You're not gonna mess with that. They're locked in there. You're not gonna do try to do something cute, you know, and bring one of them on their throw day and try to get an inning out of them. No. Like I think you just, just keep them where they are, keep them on the routine. But everyone else in the pitching staff, you know, you've been told and they've told these guys, like, be ready for anything. And so now switching back over to the offensive side of the ball, we, we touched briefly on how Bryce Harper is likely, we'll say likely, to be moved up to the third spot in the order, potentially shifting Real Muto down to fourth. Yeah. Would there be any other changes in the lineup, any other things we could look for um, with regard to the bottom half, any, any other things to keep an eye on? with uh with that little mini shuffle no i mean you'd look at game two you know uh valdez is a lefty uh their lefty lineup you know their their lineup against lefties has has had a veerling in center mm-hmm. and uh veerling was doing a lot of work yesterday in center field uh after the workout uh he, he did some extra work in center field just taking some balls and just getting a feel out there i think he'll be in in there tomorrow night game two uh and then the question is whether you do Sosa or Stott at shortstop, and I think yeah. I think it'll be Sosa. Uh, I bet you Sosa starts game two. Uh, you know they put Maton on the roster, uh, which is interesting to me because I don't know how many I don't know if he'll have a shot at a pinch hit spot. Um, the, the guy crushes fastballs. We all know it. They know right. it too. The Astros right. know it. You know the Astros know as well. The Astros will throw him a lot of breaking balls if he does get up there at all. But they also like their you know they like their guys fastball like they. You know, teams when they game plan, they I think too often they they plan uh their 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 game planning on the opponent's weakness and more often they should be planning based on their strengths, right? Okay. Okay. You want a game plan for your strengths. And the, the Astro strength and a lot of their relievers is is their fastball, is their elevated fastballs. And the Maton situation will pre- present something of a conundrum. If he does get a, a shot to pinch hit late in the game. It's like okay, you know this guy crushes fastballs. You also know that you love, you know, you like your guy's fastballs. Do you go with your strength or attack his weakness? And I don't know. They have that's why he's on the roster. They'll at least make the Astros think about that if there is a spot to pinch hit. Remember, the Phillies don't pinch hit very often. I mean, there's not a right. lot of guys they pinch hit for. Uh, so just gives them something else to think about. But um, yeah, I think Harper moves up to three um, for a couple reasons. One. Gives him a little more protection. Uh, Nick Castellanos is swinging at every single pitch, uh, and he's been batting fifth behind Harper uh, as the cleanup hitter. Yep. So you get Real Muto behind Harper now, and also I think it just shows and it indicates to you that you know the Phillies like their matchups late in the game, uh, even though 
the Astros righties have held lefties to, you know, their, their righty relievers have held lefties to an insane line this year. Um, but, but the Phillies like the idea of, of their lefties against righties. You know, they've held Astros held lefty batters, you know, to a low line, but it wasn't necessarily Bryce Harper or Kyle Schwarber. So the Phillies like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they had put Harper forward because it just put two righties in between Schwarber and Harper. Um, mm-hmm. They're okay. Just having one, I think in this series that, Okay. And so that's one thing that sticks out to me as a potential strength that the Phillies actually do have in this series. Like they're not just, they're not like this whimpering thing in the corner. You know, I don't, I don't want to make them out to be like, they're this massive underdog that really just stands absolutely no chance of winning the series would be a miracle. Cause I don't think that's true. They're, they're not as good as the Astros, but that doesn't mean this is a gigantic mismatch. One thing I do think works in their favor, just right from the get go there despite the Astros' ability to work with, you know, arm side run against left-handed hitters, you know, Schwarber and Harper are good outside, you know, plate coverage guys. So I I feel like that's an advantage, at least looking at the top of the lineup, that you have a couple of left-handed hitters who excel at covering the plate. They aren't just looking to, you know, go in the nitro zone with the down and in stuff. They can cover that too, sure. But they have enough plate coverage that, if one of these guys is is throwing something that fades away, whether it's a sinker or a changeup or what have you, that they'd be able to put a bat on it if it's if it's a swingable pitch. You're gonna see a lot of elevated fastballs. You know, Makes the sense. Astros do it well, and, and they've always done it well. They were pioneers in the elevated fastball, and some guys have tailored their swings to catch up to that now. Uh, Phillies are, are going to have to hit some high fastballs in this series. I think that's pretty clear. All right. Well, as far as matchups and things that need to go right in this series, there are expectations and there are thoughts and there are prognostications and there are feelings about, oh, what player will rise to the moment? What player will have their star shine the brightest? Well, we're going to tell you. That's right. Matt and I are going to give you our picks to click for this 2022 World Series. The guys that we feel will have the biggest moment or moments, put up the biggest numbers, shove the most, hit the most 500-foot home runs, whatever it is. We make up the criteria. It's our show. So we'll start it off with me. On offense, I hope I you am... don't pick the hitter that I want to pick. <laughs> well, see, that's the advantage of going first here, of course. You can go first for pitcher just in case I do snipe your guy. But for me... For me, I am looking for a big series out of Alec Bohm. I don't think he's had his really big moment yet. He's he's had a couple of, of RBI. He's had a couple of nice extra base hits from the San Diego series, poking a couple doubles, made a couple of nice plays on defense. He's contributed. He has not been absent by any stretch of the imagination. I feel like, and I'm looking at you, Crawford boxes in left field. I feel like this is the series where Bone pokes his first home run. And I think it'll come at a big moment. Hmm. I don't know if they'll be behind. I don't know if they'll be tied or maybe ahead by one in the late innings, early innings. Something tells me Alec Bohm is going to pay a visit to the boxes. And I think it's going to be a hit that at the very least, changes the mood of the game, potentially the mood of the entire series. 
And I would look for that to happen within these first two games. I feel like this is Alec Bohm's time to have his major moment. Matt, who you got? I'm, I got Kyle Schwarber in the series, Paul. I think it's All a right. really good matchup for him. I think if the Phillies make it a series, make it interesting, or even win it, I think Kyle Schwarber has to have a big series for them. And I think this is – I think the way the Astros attack hitters, like I just – I think this is a good matchup for Kyle Schwarber. Uh, he did not swing and miss at a pitch in the strike zone during the NLCS. Uh, mm. Crazy. And Wild. I think he uh, – He's he's been the guy who's who has talked a lot behind the scenes, you know, been the leader behind the scenes and talking about embracing the moment, enjoying it. And uh I think this is a moment made for him, this World Series. Beautiful. Okay. So now on the pitching side, you get to go first. Who is your arm to click? Dominguez. Arm to uh, harm, maybe. Arm <laughs> D- Dominguez, uh, and I know it might seem too easy, but uh, I-, I think he's throwing the ball better than anyone else on the staff right now going into this World Series. I think a bunch of days off here are really, really helpful to him. Uh, I-, I-, I think they're going to lean on him here. Like I think you're going to see him, you know, one-plus inning appearances. Uh, if-, if the situation calls for it, they're not afraid to do that. Uh, I think with the the off day after game two and the off day after game five. I think that helps, you know, with the way they'll use him a lot. And uh, he's, he's my pitcher uh, in this series. I think is going to, is going to have a big series. Love it. Yeah. No, he, before the, before the rain game, he was absolutely shoving. I, I feel like that's, that's a tremendous pick. I would love to see him as much as possible. Even, even, even with what's at risk, hopefully his arm rebounds quickly enough to be out there every game honestly but on my side i'm gonna go with ranger i'm gonna go with ranger suarez because Mm. you know i was he was going to be my pick anyway even before you floated the idea of you know a break glass in case of emergency appearance earlier on in the series here but just the simple fact that he is lined up to start either game three or game four depending on what happens that he looked so much better in his last time out so much more um composed the fact that he was the guy on the mound for the end of the series the fact that he just won a major award he just he won the fielding bibles award as best fielding yeah, pitcher how about that you know yeah. like th- this guy I- i'm telling you what something about the way he is composed out there the way he this is usually said when you're trying to compare somebody who like throws tantrums or has personality or whatever but the way he composes himself the way he he conducts himself his even kill his even hand his his slow heart rate all of these things are things i feel like i can feed off of i watch him not get rattled by things and i'm like okay all right maybe it's not so bad maybe he's got it under control maybe he can get out of this jam and more times than not he has been he's been getting out of them and I will look to him if it's in a big spot, if he's starting game three and the series is tied at one, or if he's starting game four and the Phillies are trailing two games to one, I would love to have him get the ball and feel like, yeah, this is our time to either take that series lead or to get right back in it. And he's going to be the guy who's going to step up and really keep this thing going. So I like Ranger Suarez out on the hill. 
I don't want to give any series predictions. This is the, no. this is as far as I'll go on a ser- on a prediction. You know, giving you two guys. I just I don't know. I have zero feel for this. Does anyone no. have a feel for this? No, no, no idea. We have no idea. I don't I don't want to have a feel for it either. You know, I like, I I I don't want to have to feel like oh yeah, this is going to go seven and our hearts are going to beat out of our chest the whole way, or it's it's going to go you know it's going to be quick and go poorly or like just any of the gamut of emotion. I I don't want to know. I want to continue. Is there, is there any outcome in this series that would surprise you? A sweep for sure, but also I a think a Phillies sweep or an Astros sweep. You just sweep either or. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, either or. I, I think a sweep either way would be very surprising. Okay. Um, I, I, I would just, th- I just think there are there are very few things that could happen in this series that would so completely like tank my mood and enjoyment of this playoff run that <laughs> you know things are just. I'm not trying to tempt fate again. Because and actually, I think I've done pretty well not tempting fate so far. By the way, um, but there there are so few ways this series can go that could ruin what we've watched, and I don't want to have to feel like I'm putting a finish line in plain view of that. You know what I mean? I want to just ride this out for as long as it's going to go. I want to keep enjoying this because this team has turned a, a frustrating season into an incredibly memorable one, one that is going to live on no matter how this series ends up. No matter how many games they make it last, win or lose, this is a team that has found a way into the lore and history of Philadelphia sports teams forever. They could seal things off with a title win and be absolutely immortalized, of course, as champions do around here. But they have already done so much good for the enjoyment of baseball for so many people around here that I do not want to look ahead and think, yeah, I think this is over after five games or six games. I just want to see what happens. I want to see if they've got a little more magic in them. I want to see what happens in each of these games as they go along and feel like, you know, maybe I can watch a little bit more of that that history-making magic just for a little while longer because at most we only have seven games left, and I want to enjoy however many of those seven we end up playing. I want to leave it on this. Uh, on the workout day in Philly, uh, that was Wednesday afternoon, uh, Todd's lucky from Melby.com asked uh, Rob Thompson. It was just kind of a throwaway question. He was just, he just, I don't know. I don't know. Todd was like, I don't know why I asked it. I said, well, no, actually, I think you got one of the best answers I've heard in this postseason. And Todd asked Rob Thompson about, you know, oh, did you notice that the, you know, fans set some kind of merchandise record? Like they sold a ton of Phillies merchandise. And uh, part of Rob's response to that was, this is the quote, they've fallen back in love with this ball club. And I love that. And he's dead on. I mean, like, it, it, whatever happens here, people fall back in love with baseball in Philadelphia. And, you know, I know there's some diehards, especially people who listen to this podcast, who, who never lost that love for baseball in Philadelphia. But a lot of people love it again. And uh, no matter what happens in this World Series, uh, we can safely say that that, that that feeling, that love, will extend it to 2023. And that's a really cool thing. Couldn't say it better myself. All right. That's it. The stage is set. It's time for the players to do their thing, to let their game do the talking. Uh, Matt and I will will step aside and let that all unfold, and we'll be checking back in with you as the series unfolds, of course. Probably again with our, our slightly irregular schedule. We just sort of figure these things out as we go. Um, we'll be checking be late nights. <laughs> yeah, there'll be, there'll be some late nights. 8 o'clock first pitch for all of these games. Game 1 tonight, Game 2 Saturday. Um, I, I am excited. I feel like, 
you know, as a fan, it's house money. The players obviously view it as more than that, but as a fan, I it's it's hard to enjoy this run much more. And one series to go, one series stands between the Phillies and a and a a new a new banner. Well, they got one anyway, but a red banner flying out in center field. What uh, blue? Blue for a National League pennant. Right, they they got right that now, now but yes, red, yes, yeah. blue, yes, red would be for the World Series, yes, right. yes. Either way, flags fly forever, and they'll have one up there. It's just a matter of color at this point. Um, we'll see what happens. That's all we can do. So we'll check back in with you, you all, you lovely, lovely people out there in listener land. Thank you for hanging with us. Um, we'll check back in with you at some point during the weekend. Um, I know I will be at game four, so we might. <laughs> depending on how my voice responds and we might have a little bit of time between game four ending and the episode then we'll see how things go just stay tuned to the socials we'll keep you posted thank you again everybody for listening go phils we'll see you for the world series